0: Well, church family, let's stand together for the reading of Holy Scripture. Acts chapter 15 is our uh, primary text this morning, uh, and where we'll pick up where we left off last week as we study, uh, continue our study through the book of Acts. And just by, by way of reminder, Paul and Barnabas, when we pick up in Acts 15, have just finished the uh, first missionary journey. They've seen so many converted, so many come to faith in Jesus, and all their troubles are over. That was sarcasm. So. New enemy crops up. Let's see what it is. Acts 15, verses 1 through 5 is what we'll read now. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. It's the question, how's a person saved? So being sent out on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. Let's pray together. Father, um, these things are alive and well today. These questions: How's a person saved? How's a person converted? What's necessary? So, Father, whether or not that questions on our radar screen this morning, I pray by the Spirit of God, and what is clearly a urgently important matter in Scripture is important to us something about this world and our sin nature sort of deadens us to what's urgent to you and makes what's not urgent to you seem urgent to us and then the things that are eternally significant from your perspective they seem unimportant to us and i pray you'd totally flip that in our lives continually help us to fight the deadly weight of legalism this morning in jesus name amen Amen. You may be seated. You probably can tell from the title of the sermon where we're going. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. How is a person, how is a man, how is a woman converted to Christ? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I hope that resounds in your heart. So by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, the way it plays out for the most part in our own day is... Um, the particular practice that's discussed here in Acts 15 is circumcision. And just the truth of the matter is that's uh, probably been no point in your life, have you ever been told, that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved or that that's something that has to happen in your family or so on and so forth. However, the the deeper root issue of legalism is very much still In play in our day. Now, one of the favorite stories my brothers like to say about me uh, occurred when I was about eight years old. I don't know that I've told you this. I usually tell the stories on them, but this one's a little story kind of on me. And they love to tell this story. When I was about eight years old, of course, I've shared with you how in our growing up years, Rocky was sort of, you know, you know, just the movie for us. And we watched them all. And one time, and my mom is so uh, safe, conscious, I don't even know how we pulled this off, but she got a set of uh, kind of of toy boxing gloves, two sets. And so my brothers and I would put the boxing gloves on and we would, you know, box a little bit. I was the youngest, so they were nice with me. But then my brothers had this great idea. There's a boy down the street who was my age, and they wanted to set up sort of a boxing match. Now, the boy down the street was um, not, n- did not have a reputation to being athletically inclined. Was that a nice enough way of saying, saying that? So the assumption on my part was, all right, we'll do it, and uh, this will go well for me. You probably already anticipate where this is going. So we're in my front yard, and I put my boxing gloves on. I the tiger sort of playing in my mind, you know, and uh, I'm Rocky, he's Ivan Drago, and that kind of was true, uh, because if you've seen the movie, f- as far as the first round went, and so my brothers, they do a little thing, ding, 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 the bell, and we go up, and this boy, I just, I mean, I'm glad there's no video footage of this, he just hauls off and about kills me, that's basically what, <laughs> that's basically what happened. He just smacked me, and I can remember laying there like, did that just happen? You know, they talk about seeing uh, Tweety Birds, I saw the Tweety Birds, I saw the stars, I saw, uh, I saw my, um, rest of my life flashed before my eyes knowing that this is something that my brothers will never, I mean, it's another one of those moments where you would like to say my brothers were, they were just laughing, they were just high-fiving each other, and um, I just kind of went inside and slinked into my closet and laid there the rest of the day, just hoping nobody would ever uh, mention it again, and obviously that's not happened. And I'm mentioning it to you, and I really don't know why I'm telling you this story, but um, the hit that kind of comes out of nowhere, not expecting it not anticipating it. As we've been studying through the book of Acts, by now we've probably got this pattern down, right? What's the chapter we've read that's had no conflict? What chapter has it been? It's not been a single chapter, has it? There's a one-two punch, a counterattack, if you will, as the gospel's going forth in power. Holy Spirit's come on the believers and they're loving Jesus, they're loving each other, they're sacrificing, but punches come in one of two ways. Either it's persecution from without or division from within, right? And the game plan of the enemy has, is unchanged over all these years. That's still how attacks come against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Either persecution from without that tempts you to compromise, that tempts you to say, okay, well, maybe we need to adjust these teachings or get with the times, or division comes from within. Now, when we're in Acts 15, what is the punch going on here? Now, now you see it, uh, persecution has come against Paul in Acts 14, what we studied last week, Right. I mean, they stone him. Uh, there's this group of people. They seem to be chasing Paul wherever he goes. It says up here in Acts 14, 19, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city. The only reason they stopped, verse, this verse there, supposing that he was dead. He picks himself up, dusts himself off, goes right on preaching. But now here, we get to Acts 15, and it says in verse 1, some men came down from Judea, And we're teaching the brothers. And it says here in verse 5, some believers. These are people who identify themselves with Jesus. Some believers who belong to the party of the uh oh Pharisees. They've got some baggage left over. And they begin to teach that it's necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. So verse 6 says, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And I love that about this early church. When division came up, they didn't just let it fester. You know what I mean? I mean, it's in the first time we, we had the issue where the wi- widows, the he- uh, Greek widows, felt like they were being uh, mistreated and they just all came together. They talked things out, they sorted through things, they discussed things, right? Too often today, if you have a disagreement, there's silence. Now, if you've got an issue with somebody, what's the Bible say? You go to that person, right? We won't repreach that sermon, but man, a day goes by that I don't feel like we need to be reminded of this. Don't let things just fester, particularly, particularly with a brother or sister in the Lord Jesus. Go to that person. So, uh, here on the screen, let's talk about what we'll call legalists. Now, that word's not used here in Acts 15. What a legalist is is uh, I'll give you an equation, if I will. Salvation's equation, according to a legalist, is this. Faith in Jesus plus something equals salvation, right? In in the case of Acts 15, you track along with me. What's the the fill-in-the-blank in Acts 15? What is it? Faith in Jesus plus what? Circumcision equals salvation. I just want to give you a couple of characteristics of legalists because here's the reality. A little bit of legalism, I believe, lurks in all of us lurks in all of us i'm in this uh very fun but sometimes challenging season of life of raising little children you know what little children are legalists and legalists seem to have this dichotomy they think the best of themselves and the and the worst of you i've got a two-year-old at my house her name's juliana she is a full-blown sweetheart and a full-blown sinner and nothing's ever her fault And and, and anytime something goes wrong, she's so quick to justify her own actions. And simultaneously, simultaneously, you know what she also does? She lays the blame on Priscilla, or it's Abel's fault, or it's Mary Clara's fault. And we've all played that game. See, what legalists like to do is maximize their own performance and minimize everyone else's performance. But here's the hard issue. When legalists maximize their own performance in their own eyes, there's no way to do that unless you diminish the performance of jesus and friends that's why paul and barnabas you know that's why i love what it says about them they had no small dissension paul and barnabas heard this and they're like well we're not gonna let this slide here's a discernment in maturity of, as you pursue christ of knowing what needs to be let slid is that the way to say that if i'm not saying that right just let it slide right uh, need to let go and what to emphasize and friends i find I don't know about you, but the way I feel often is we make big deals out of things we should just let slide, and we let slide things we need to make big deals out of. Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote in this whole context. You can go and read that uh, this afternoon uh, as you uh, spend your day worshiping the Lord. But let me give you a few uh, characteristics of legalists. we pick them up right here in these first five verses. So, so uh, I think they'll be on the screen as, um, a, a, as well. So, so just a couple of real quick characteristics of legalists first of all legalists believe grace plus something else brings salvation this is really logical and you'll be able to see this immediately anytime you add something to grace it ceases to be grace as soon as as soon as you say it's grace and this grace and circumcision grace and some sort of behavior modification that you have to do then it's no longer grace so legalists believe grace needs something else right in order to bring salvation this is what they're saying look what look at their statement their statement's very clear verse one unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses you cannot be saved now before we're too um harsh or insensitive to this group of people We have to to understand in their time and place, that is what had been emphasized to them for generations. This is what had made them distinct as the Jewish people. We keep the law. We circumcise. We have to keep the Passover. Now, Christ, the intention of all those things had always been to point to Jesus. The whole giving of the law, they had misconstrued. They misconstrued the giving of the law not to be Uh, the picture that we need salvation they made it the means of salvation the illustration i sometimes use is is this here's the equivalent of the law for your uh, for your life the law given by moses essentially says this if you want to be saved if you want to go to heaven then you're going to drive to the coast of north carolina you're going to get in the ocean and you're going to start swimming and you're going to swim until you cross the atlantic ocean then you're going to go south and you're going to go around the horn of africa and keep heading west right you're going to keep swimming, and eventually you'll go around. I don't I struggle a little bit with geography, but you just keep swimming. and You'll pass India, and you go past the Pacific Islands, and you keep swimming. You get to Hawaii, and then you're going to go swim down beneath, uh, around South America, and you're going to come back up, and you're going to get back to the coast of North Carolina. Now, now, what is your response to that? Should be, if you've got some common sense. Nobody can do that. That would be impossible. You shall have no God's before me. You shall not covet. You shall not bear false witness. You shall keep the Sabbath holy. You shall honor your mother and father. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. Is anybody here able to hear those things and say, I got that? Could you go this morning and say, I got that? Could you have gone the last five minutes and say, I got that? But to back to the swimming analogy, you know what the Pharisees said? Uh, backstroke practice begins at two o'clock we'll see you there that's their mindset that's their mindset the law's intention was we can't do this god we need help we need a savior we need someone else to do this on our behalf and you know what that's exactly who jesus is all these things that, that reveal to us that we cannot save ourselves, that's the whole point. But the legalist likes to say, well, let's keep a little bit of that left over. I also find very much the case that there's usually, another descriptive term of legalist, is usually a lack of joy. It's usually a lack of joy. Now look at here, I get this from a verse um, 3. Uh, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through... Samaria, Phoenicia and Samaria describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. I think one of the most frequent things I pray for us as we gather together in a place like this at a time like this is, Lord, would you fill this place up with joy? You know what I mean? Would you just fill this up? Would you fill this place up with joy? There ought to be, if you were understanding these things correctly, God's standard says, uh, here's my law. We can't keep it, and then someone keeps it on our behalf. Christ redeems us. Doesn't it make sense that there would be a response of joy, friends? I I, I don't know anybody who deeply walks with Jesus that's not a joyful person. It's not possible. Fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? And joy, and peace, and patience. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. It's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. There's no joy there. What is there? It's no, not joy, it's judgmental spirit. That's what happens to legalists. There's no joy. Instead, there's uh, just a spirit of condemnation and you're not good enough. And so when I'll go on to give you the others, is uh, another description. There's usually an emphasis on traditions and customs that God does not emphasize this is what they said Uh, verse one again unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses the way we've always done it right and so they emphasize traditions over the revelation of God give you um Another a couple of uh, couple of descriptions of legalists is also uh, they usually emphasize who cannot be saved over who can be saved. In other words, you see them say here, unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. It's necessary to circumcise them in order to keep the law of Moses. Right? Here's what I do and you don't do it, so I'm better than you. That's the that's the spirit of a legalist. And give me, I'll give you one more descriptive term of a legalist. They are deeply loved by God. Deeply loved by, by God. Um, you uh, likely already know this. Acts is written by Luke, and the Gospel of Luke is written by Luke. And uh, if you read them in sequence together, you can see that this is a major theme throughout um, Uh, Luke's writings is this matter of legalism. So what I'm going to ask you to do is uh, to turn back in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, and here we have legalism on display in one of the best-known parables of of Jesus. I just want you to see uh, these descriptive terms that we're talking about, how they can play out in the teachings of Jesus and can play out in our lives. And so the, uh, the great thing is we'll look at this and then in the great providence and grace of God, somebody in Acts 15 stands up to, uh, to get uh, the gospel message out. And I love who it is that God chooses to do that And so we'll also, uh, sort of the third segment of our sermon is looking at his life. I'll go on and tell you it's Peter and a wonderful change that God brought in his life. So so look at Luke 15 with me if you're there. Uh, Luke 15 and verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him to hear him. So who's interested in what Jesus has to say? Tax collectors and sinners. But look what happens here, verse 2. The Pharisees and the scribes, what are they doing? You can go in and say it. It's grumbling. Grumble, grumble, grumble. From the fall on, people out of fellowship with God are always marked by grumbling, complaining. And in particular, look at this verse. What are they grumbling about? Look what they says. Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them it's a scandal right no one of good repute nobody who really walked with god would do this and, and that day to sit down and eat with somebody was a huge sign of friendship but i uh, always think every time i read this verse their complaint is the only hope we've got isn't it and if jesus didn't receive sinners didn't sit down and eat with us what hope have we got but here's legalists Here's the legalist. They want to emphasize who cannot be reconciled to God, what their issues are. And then Jesus tells a sequence of three parables. We won't study them all in detail this morning, but a sequence of three parables, the lost sheep, right? Uh, man had 99 sheep, lost one. Uh, He went a long way away and found a sheep. So you can be lost far away. And then the second parable is a man loses, or a, a woman rather, loses a coin in her house, right? It's not lost far away. It's lost in the house. In other words, You can be lost even right up close to the things of God. You can be within the hearing of Scripture. You can attend church Sunday after Sunday. You can be in the house and lost. And then perhaps his best-known parable of all is a parable of a father who had two sons. And Jesus said, a man had two sons, and the younger of them came to his father and said, Dad, give me the share of the inheritance that's coming to me. And so his father gave it to him. Not many days later, the younger son gathered up all he had and went off to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And a famine came there. He began to be in need. So he went, here, here's, the, here's the default setting of all of us, right? When, when he began to be in need, his first plan was not to go back to the father. You know what his first plan was? I'm fix this. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who, who had him go feed pigs. For Jewish mindset, that's as disgusting a job as could. He, he, he's at the bottom, right? And it's a glorious picture of this uh, of repentance, the, the younger brother who comes home in a wonderful picture, but you remember not everybody's happy, right? Not everybody's celebrating. That's the common thread, by the way, through these three parables. Something was lost, it was found, and when it was found, there was a joyous celebration. Heaven celebrates When sinners repent, but look down here in Luke fifteen verse twenty-five. After this great scene, when the younger the prodigal son comes home, and very frequently when we hear about the parable of the prodigal son, the main point is the younger brother's repentance, and it is a glorious picture. But oftentimes, when Jesus taught parables, the main point was the last point, and I want you to see what Jesus's last point is in this parable. Now. His older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard something that always sets the legalists off. What does he hear? Music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. What is going on around here? And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father's killed the fattened calf. Because he's received him back safe and sound. Now, for instance, hold that thought. And Paul and Barnabas have come back with story after story of the Gentiles. The Gentiles have come to faith. The Gentiles are being converted. Look at this older brother. He's received him back safe and sound, verse 28. But he was joyful. No, 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 no. He's angry refused to go in, he's grumbling, his father came out, this is why we say legalists are deeply loved by God, the younger brother is not the only brother that the father goes after, his father came out and entreated, pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends, he hit the first person pronoun triple crown, right, I, me, my, you see it friends legalists emphasize their performance I have served you I never disobeyed your command yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours who's devoured see the way he separates himself he doesn't even call him his brother has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? He said to him, son, you're always with me. All that's mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. Glory to God, right? But the parable ends in, and, um, and the older brother's The parable ends, and and there's not this great moment of reconciliation. It doesn't say, and then then the older brother came to his senses and walked in and celebrated. The older brother brother is still isolated. And I think that teaches us how strong this current can run through the hearts of men and women. So let's go back over here to Acts 15 and see that this spirit is still in play. And how are they going to work these things out? Right? They've come to an impasse. You cannot be saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone and be saved by circumcision, right? I mean, it can't be both. I know we live in a world where we we always want to say that there's uh, multiple ways to, to heaven, right? But if Paul's going out and he's preaching and he's saying, The only way to be converted is by the grace of God. You have to believe in the grace of God. Romans 5, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's Paul's message. And now the legalists are over here saying, well, that's all fine and good, Paul, but after they do that, they need to be circumcised or they're not really saved. And you can see that Paul's saying, are you trying to tell me that I've got to go back to everywhere I went on my first missionary journey and go back and update my message? I don't think I do. We can't both be right. So, what do they do? The apostles, verse 6, and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. In other words, they came together to get this straightened out. That both of these things cannot be true. And verse 7, after there had been much debate, here he is. I want you to look at him because this is the last time you're going to see him in the book of Acts. It's his last appearance. And I love the providence of God that here, the last time we see him in Acts, this is his message. Peter stood up. You remember Peter, right? Can we take a quick time out? You remember Peter, right? Peter, mister, I won't even go to Cornelius' house. Peter, right? Peter, mister, got a little older brother in me. I've never eaten anything unclean. Peter. Peter. He's going to stand up. Can I give you a few reminders about Peter? Peter. Back here in Luke again, if you don't mind. Actually, John 13, 31. On Wednesday mornings with the cornerstones, we've been studying through John 13, 14, 15. I've just loved it. And I want you to see a little bit of what Peter's got in him. John chapter 13. You remember when I told you that legalists like, (laughs) I'll get it out in a minute. Legalists, no, maybe I won't. Um, Legalists like to emphasize what they do what they do and i just ask you friends if if i if i say um, on what basis you think you go to heaven the first word out of your mouth is i it's a red flag on that day many will come to me jesus said saying lord lord look at the mighty works we did look at the demons of we cast out and he'll say depart from me i never knew you first words out of i believe out of someone who's truly been converted is look at what jesus has done look at what he did on the cross look how he accounted for my sin right and i say that let look over here in john 13 this is just hours hours before jesus is crucified john 13 36 they're sitting in the upper room and Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And on the surface, friends, that sounds like a great statement to make, doesn't it? I'll, make, I'll lay down my life for you. But what's the emphasis on? What I'll do. What I'll do for you. And friends, we're hardwired for this. Legalism is so attractive to us because it's easy to keep score. Do you know what I mean? Once you've established what the, <laughs> what the parameters are. Circumcision, for example. Oh, I've been circumcised. That makes me more worthy in the sight of God. I've checked this box. I've done this. I've done that. I've done so on and so forth. And Peter's saying, hey, I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you've denied me three times. What is Jesus saying? Peter, you don't have it in you. Salvation is first not what we do for him. We're tracking. Salvation is about what he's done for us. Salvation is not, Peter, about you first saying, I'll lay down my life for you. Salvation is about, you you, you can hear it in Jesus' statement, right? Oh, you'll lay down your life for me. No, no, no. On the front end. Jesus is saying, I'll lay down my life for you. Friends, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust my best day to get me to heaven, would you? I, I wouldn't trust my best hour. I don't even know what the time frame would be, but I'll tell you this. What I'm trusting is the sufficient sacrifice of Christ, what he's done for me. So give me give you a few characteristics uh, of Peter at this stage, at this stage of his life, in the John 13 stage, is first of all, he boasts too much. He boasted too much. Peter had a legalistic mindset in his past. In his past, he had boasted too much. I'm going to do this. I'll do that. Uh, we could read several scriptures, but just look over here in Luke chapter 22. Just so you see, this isn't a one-time deal in Peter's life. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Luke 22:31. 31. Simon. Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your performance may not, no no that your faith, your faith might not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. So just a little preamble here. I I think in Acts 15, we're going to get Peter strengthening the brothers, all right? A little foreshadowing here. But, but Jesus is saying, first of all, Peter, you don't have it in you. But you're going to turn again. You're going to get some things straightened out. And when that happens, strengthen the brothers. What brothers? All these brothers that are now here. Certain, you know, we'll get there. right? Peter said to him, though, Lord, I'm ready, to, uh, I'm ready to go with you to prison and death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day. Right? Just a matter of hours. He doesn't say, you know, the month won't be out until you deny me three times you can't even get through the week, he says to Peter, you can't even get through tonight without denying me three times. Peter boasts too much. Legalists are always quick to boast about what they've done or haven't done, right? Well, I've never done that. I've never done this, and I've never done so on and so forth, (laughs) right? Legalists are boasters, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the mighty man boast in his might, or the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows and understands me, says the Lord. Jeremiah 29, I think. <laughs> I know it's in Jeremiah, though. Not only did he boast too much, these things usually go together. Secondly, he prays too little. He prays too little. You're there in Luke. Mr. I'll lay down my life for you. Let's, let's see how that goes. Let's see how that turns out. Just a few verses later. Just a few verses later. uh, Verse 39 of chapter 22. He came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said, Pray that you might not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Verse 45. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow i won't ever forget i won't ever forget abel was four years old and uh, we were having him sit with us in the service and when i would talk to him over and over again about abel you need to sit in the service like a big boy you need to sit in the service like a big boy you need to sit in the service like a big boy and he said yes sir yes sir yes sir so we were leaving church one day and just gotten in my truck and leave uh, going to leave and i said uh, abel did you sit in service like a big boy today he said no sir i sat there like an adult and i went to sleep let it slide make a big deal we just let that one slide that's what we that's what we ended up doing on 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 that one but here's peter i'll never deny you i'll lay down my right that's how it goes in our lives he he boasted too much and he prayed too little Friends, the number one reason our lives are prayerless is we have far too much confidence in ourselves. The number one barrier to prayer is pride. We don't not pray because we don't have time. We don't pray because we don't really think we need to. We got this handled. How's that going, by the way, in your life? How's that going in our nation, our prayerlessness? he boasts too much, he prays too little, then he acts too fast, right? Uh, it says here, uh, right after he's woken up, verse 47, while he was still speaking, there came a crowd and a man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. So when Jesus is betrayed with a kiss, verse 49, when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Do you know who that was? It was Peter legalists always pick the wrong fight they're active they're engaged got a lot of energy but they're always swinging their sword at the wrong person at the wrong time for the wrong reason legalists are always ready to draw a sword and fight and what happens here jesus said no more of this He touched his ear and healed him. Can't you imagine those soldiers were so confused, right? And and I honestly think, friends, I honestly think godly behavior in the world ought to be perplexing to people. Why why did you do that? Uh, uh, Peter, uh, I don't think, right, we probably agree on this, I don't think he was trying to cut the man's ear off. I think he was trying to cut the man's head off. If you have a sword coming at you, you kind of would do that, and that's where the, the, it's not funny, I don't know why I'm laughing, um, he sliced his ear off, and then Jesus walks over to the man and just heals his ear. Here, here's the here's truth, friends, you can write this down big, bold, plain and tall. Legalists hurt people, the gospel heals people, amen? Legalists are always hurtful. And friends, some people in the room today, you might be bearing some of those scars, right? Uh, Somebody didn't cut your ear off, but man, they cut your soul. He said, You're not good enough. You don't amount. You're not as worthy. You don't deserve it. You you got this. That happened in your past, and so you're a second class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to say as clearly as I know how, the grace of God is needed by all, and the grace of God is available for all. And anybody here, anybody on this stage, anybody in any pew, that you're a little bit more deserving of what Christ has done for us. Anybody in the room deserving of what Christ has done for us? Amen? We all need the grace of God. That's the problem with the Pharisees is they were establishing in the early church in Acts 15 a tier system, right? And down here, these are the second-class citizens, and up here. And the interesting thing about those who establish a tier system is they always put themselves at the top of it, don't they? Now, he, he acted too fast, and then if you track along continue with Peter, he follows too far away. Uh, verse 54, uh, they seized him and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. They had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. Peter sat down among them. Servant girl seeing as he sat in light and looking closely at him said, this man was also with him, but he denied it. Number one, saying, woman, I did not know him. I don't even know him. Ever been in a situation at school, at work, and family where, where you were tempted and maybe even said those, I, I, I'm not into Jesus, I don't, that's uh, not my thing. You ever felt that pressure? Peter's been there. He denies the Lord. That's why it gives us great confidence, man. Our salvation is not based on our performance. Somebody else is standing in that courtyard. Somebody else who can swim all the way around the globe, Right? Someone who just can't swim around the globe. Someone who created the oceans, right? And held the world in the palm of his hand. He's standing there too. And I want you to see the basis of your salvation is not on, we'll use Peter, what Peter does that night. It's based on what Jesus did that night. Amen? We need to know these things. Verse 58, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Number two, and after an interval of about an hour... Still another insisted, saying, certainly this man was with him, for he's to a Galilean, right? Understand his accent, or heard his accent. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, right? Sunrise. The Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And then Jesus said, struck out Peter, we're done with you, tried your best, couldn't pull it off, we'll find somebody else. No, no, right? Now what happens next? When day came, the assembly of the elders gathered together, or I'm sorry, verse 63, now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. Hold. now let's go back to Acts 15. You see it? I love it. Peter stood up. Peter stood up. Peter stood up. Here's the critical question, friends. Peter had been there that night when Jesus was standing before the high priest. Peter had been there that night, denied him three times, and they blindfolded him. They struck him, said, Prophesy prophesy they beat him they mock him so that you could go to heaven if you're circumcised you could go to heaven if your church attendance is good enough so that you could go to heaven if what it's the only if if you believe the grace of god has extended you reconciliation through the death of burial and resurrection of jesus peter stood up and said to them and i don't know i don't know is it in his ears holy spirit he's full of the spirit when you ret- when you turn again strengthen the brothers peter strengthen the brothers it's time to strengthen the brothers what's the first word out of his mouth brothers you know that in the early days god made a choice among you and by my mouth the gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by what? by faith by faith boasted too much prayed too little acted too fast followed too far away one other thing about Peter it's deeply loved by Jesus See, Jesus doesn't quit. Jesus doesn't deny Peter. That's the important part, friends. I don't know, you'll get well past three if you think, how many times have I denied Jesus? How many times have I denied Jesus? How many times is he going to deny his own? Zero. 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 Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? You ready? One of uh, Peter's last statement in Acts. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Glory to God, hallelujah, and amen. What a marvelous, what a marvelous change has been brought in Peter's life. So Peter's final message in Acts is salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you just back up to that slide real quick, just to emphasize that these are the descriptions of Peter. He boasted too much, he prayed too little, he acted too fast, and he followed too far away. And I want you to see how on the flip side of this, these statements about Peter, that they are, uh, how they contrast in the life of Jesus. Did Jesus boast too much? Did Jesus ever say he was going to do something and then he didn't do it? Did Jesus ever make a promise and say, here's what I'm going to do, and then go back on that promise, right? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you greater love has no one than this that a man lay down his life for his friends did you ever catch Jesus praying too little right what do you read about Jesus in the scriptures? very early in the morning he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed what's he doing in the hours before he was crucified what was he doing in the garden they're sleeping but what was he doing agonizing praying Jesus ever act too fast did he ever do the wrong thing at the wrong time did he ever pick the wrong battle no he always does the exact right thing at the exact right time, for the exact right reason. Leveraging everything he's got for your deliverance. Ever follow too far away? Absolutely not. He goes up to the cross, he lays down his life. And of course, Jesus is, what they do have in common, his deeply loved by the Father, right? He's doing all those things to express his deep love for you. Um, Luke also has uh, a great uh, example of what's necessary for salvation over here in um, Luke 23. We won't go into it as sort of our Easter Sunday sermon this year is the thief on the cross, right? And the thief on the cross is the great uh, preservation in Scripture of what it takes to be born again. Does the thief on the cross keep the law? (laughs) He doesn't have any time, does he? Did Jesus say, today, if before the day ends you circumcise, you'll be with me in paradise? No. If you faithfully teach. Now, now, friends, we all understand the whole counsel of God. grace of God is not extended to you so that when we go leave and make a mockery of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we don't live lives of obedience and lives of joy. But what's essential, eternally significant is the word conversion. Conversion is by grace alone. Because God loves you out of his kindness. His kindness leads us to by grace alone through faith alone. What do you bring to the table? Believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in Christ alone. Those are the essential words. Um, And that's why over here in Acts, they say, man, we've got to settle this. We've got to settle this. Um, I wish we had time to go through all the verses. But we'll uh, conclude here in verse 19. a man named James, he speaking says, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Shouldn't trouble them. Shouldn't add something, right? <laughs> add something. Now, i are going to conclude here with a real simple exhortation. Have you been saved? You, be, you been converted in the gospel manner. That it, you, you, your hope is not on my performance when I stand before God. The first words out of your mouth Jesus. Je- Jesus purchased my redemption. Jesus paid for my sins. Jesus brought me life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. But, friends, those who do come by him can come forgiven confident cleansed and we don't want to be a people who say "Well, but you got to also do this and jump through that hoop and do so on and so forth it's by grace you're saved through faith it's the gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast stand together and we'll pray together the opposite of boasting is worship all right so we're going to pray together and then the invitation is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The invitation is to pray. You're welcome to leave your seat, pray here at the front, pray with me. It be my joy, my privilege to pray if you've got a concern on your heart this morning. Some of these things that we've talked about, maybe you've got some legalistic baggage in your past and weighs, weighs you down still. You're deeply loved by the Lord. And and, and friends, have some Paul and Barnabas in you. This is an essential matter to get straight. (laughs) Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Father, I pray now by your spirit, thank you for the wonderful picture we see of a transformation in Peter's heart and in his life, how you rescued him out of, some legalistic baggage, and, and, it, and it took years if we read the Bible. Still in Acts, this hesitancy to accept Cornelius as a brother in the Lord. Father, would you deliver us from boasting too much, praying too little, from a joyless pursuit of you because, because we're basing it on our performance from a judgmental, harsh, and critical spirit against other people who don't measure up to the categories that we've established. We understand in the scripture, Father, there's just two categories, lost and saved. And the only reason any of us are saved is because of the grace of God. So how in the world would we then be harsh towards those who are lost? Father, fill this place up with joy. Fill this place up with glorious praises from your people to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.